Hello, and welcome to Building Sustainability Podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Hart, aka Jeffrey the Natural Builder. Building sustainability consists of conversations with designers, builders, makers, dreamers, and doers, exploring the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. This is part two of the podcast, podcasts that are done in partnership with EBUKI, that's Earth Building UK and Ireland. Uh, if you haven't heard part one, then head straight there. And if you haven't got yourself a ticket for Earth Building UK and Ireland's Clayfest conference, then do that now. And just a reminder that I will be featured on Saturday morning and we'll be having a conversation with a couple of the trainees about these episodes and the training and the, the difficulties and answering some of your questions and comments. So this episode features two more conversations with Earth Building trainees. This episode with, with Mickey Z and Jamie Ingle. Join me at the end to hear what I see in these conversations and what I think we could do to make training better for our earth builders. Enjoy the episode. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. So you said you would like to be a teacher um, and you, you've been training for about four years. Where yeah. on your sort of journey, uh, or you know, if we're looking at, at sort of the education, where where sort of on that path oh. to being being qualified, or you know, <laughs> um, I don't think I'll ever be fully qualified or uh, learn everything, but because I've already done some teaching, but I've feel really unqualified doing it and that's I was just having a conversation today actually about how underconfident I feel or, or a lot of us feel here on the course and actually we probably know a lot more than we think we do and when does that when do you become confident so on that journey like I've got some certificates and what does that mean but I've also done some teaching but I'd want to learn much more so that I can have the knowledge to inspire and to pass on to other people. So I'm like over the next couple of years, I'd like to just like accumulate much more knowledge and skill. So I think it's like a continuum. It's I can probably be teaching next year some things, but still feel like I'm not confident enough 
I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. It's a it's a difficult question. It's probably not a very fair question because if I truly think about it, you know, well, I think the the more you learn about a topic, the more you realize you don't understand and therefore you must learn more. And I think if you feel like you've completed a topic, then you probably don't really understand it. We're learning about Lyme. I'm like, I feel like I understand mm. a bit of it and then I'll learn a bit more and then I'm kind of, oh, I just don't understand any of this. And it kind of goes around in a circle to kind of picking up a bit more, understanding it, it, it sinks in and doing something else. And you're like, oh, how does it this fit into that part of it? And how do you work with that material and Lyme? And yeah, it's just continuous learning. Uh, well, what I'd like to do is talk through kind of the the ways in which you've been trained mm. and just sort of discuss um you know how they worked um you know like how long they might have gone on for if you were paying for them or being paid uh you know the sort of learning style and how you got on with it you know maybe yeah. things that were good things that were bad and if we sort of work through the um you know the different ways that you've been trained okay and just yeah. sort of discuss those i started training with barbara jones at straw works um i think you've done some training with her haven't you and that worked i was part of the school of natural building where i paid to do the whole program so um straw bale building lime rendering and clay plastering and car tire foundation and that worked on like a week basis of each of those things apart from the car tire was like three days and then there was some weekend um theory kind of days as well and then after you did that with them you did some training traineeship where you were paid but still being trained to work on people's houses and that structure worked reasonably well, but I don't think it, I think changes were happening in straw works and it, it didn't seem to come to finish properly. So it's kind of still ongoing, but kind of I've moved on to do other things. So I felt like I've got what I need. And I think that the structure, how it was laid out to start with, I think works relatively well. And I enjoyed working on um live builds on people's houses that was that meant more to me than just in a barn or a shed doing a mock-up of something but that also comes with a lot of problems i think and i think the volunteer part and the student part and the client part the it doesn't work so well for me anymore having done quite a lot of it um I think a lot of things are done more than once and because either volunteers or students kind of aren't doing them well enough or the communication between all these different parties isn't structured enough. Um, and I, I think sometimes, especially in the natural building world, the volunteer homeowners seem to use volunteers a lot and the trained people are not seen as um like 
they probably wouldn't say this, but I feel like they're not seen as worthy when we spent quite a lot of money and time training and volunteers are used a lot and I just, I don't like it anymore for a lot of reasons because uh, then the value of a trained professional is put right down so people think that it can just pay you nothing. So yeah, I have a bit of an issue with that because I feel like now like homeowners will have a house and volunteers or you do something for quite little money and you've got nothing. You've still got no land or no house and it just, this, it doesn't, to me now it doesn't work as a circular system. And that's what I kind of believe that it did, but it, I don't think it does. I think there's one person that gets a, a lot more out of it than the other parties. So, yeah, that, that was interesting. But I did enjoy working on live builds. But I don't think the system works properly. So that was with Strawworks. And then I did... Was there like a, a best moment in in the the work you did with, or the training you did with... Strawworks? Um, meeting lots of different people, I think, and different houses. And I, I've kept in touch with a few people um, in different countries, like in Germany and Italy. And they've become kind of like, even though it's like a small handful of people, they've become a network where I have felt like I could just ask them questions. And that's not all people. It's been hard to find, even though you've been, I've been told many times that everybody in the natural building world is like really open and wants to share information. I kind of haven't found that. I've just, I've really had to find specific people and they're quite, they're really open about sharing information and there's not a threat about taking their work or about passing on stuff that's theirs. So it's been a bit of a niche, a bit hard to just track these people down. And it's not just been a like, oh, we're all a happy family, which some people kind of said it was to me in the beginning. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, I, I can totally relate <laughs> to that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'd say, ask you maybe what your the most difficult part was. Well, the difficult, the most difficult part, I think, is actually making that network. Because I'm not that kind of person, really. So although I've now found some people here and there, that's been really difficult. It hasn't just been, I've gone to a course and like keep in touch with everybody. Yeah, that has been the most difficult and finding opportunities and finding the next thing. It's really kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone, I suppose, mm -hmm. to keep connections with some people. And yeah, and just to know that they're going to like offer advice if you ask for it. So yeah, that's yeah, that's probably the most difficult part. Yeah. So you, you would talk about uh, next thing with with Becky, was it? Yeah, I don't know which order these are in, but I did a couple of days training with them, Becky at the Scottish Lime Centre. Um, introduction to Indigenous Earth Building, and that was really interesting with Becky. Um, and also, I've been following Armaco, who she's been working with in France. I think that's what they're called, and so. She was bringing some of their way of presenting earth building and the kind of sciencey bit to the people at Scottish Lime Centre, and that was that was really good. But it was it was intense, but it was only a couple of days. So a lot of these things, I feel like I'm always just starting at the beginning and kind of know that bit now. I mean, it would be nice to see more 
of what Becky does in courses like the Scottish Lyme Centre. And again, I paid for that course and it was quite expensive. The Scottish Lyme Centre seems to be quite expensive. Okay. I think you said you always seem to be sort of starting at the beginning. Do you mean that the courses are always taught from a, a sort of basic level and not a, a more advanced level? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, most of them are, are cover quite a lot. I mean, the course Becky did covered quite a lot in quite a short period of time, but it was from very basics, like and a lot of information, but not like through to finish techniques and doing the whole stages of it. Um, and that's what I found with, found with most of the things I've done, even this placement here at the Prince Foundation, because there's no plastering or rendering. And so I feel like I'm not learning anything on the live build in a way. I know I've gone off Becky now, but yeah, just starting from the beginning, not like moving from mix, how you do mixes, to laying a floor or putting on the plaster to finish plaster. Like the whole process, I don't feel like is covered in anything I've done. A, a lot of the times it's also been the very, like a day digging soil to, to sieve and to, to size the clay, which I know needs done on a job, but when you're paying, it's like, well, I've done that. I don't want to go and dig. I don't want to pay you 300 pounds to dig. You know. Yeah, too right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He can pay me to dig. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> were there were there sort of pros and I mean it sounds like you found quite a lot of, of you know cons in that that sort of short course uh, paid for. Were there anything that was there anything that really worked in those those short courses? So yeah, the short courses I think are good for just to get a taster, but I think that's the problem with the training that I've found or not found is to like go from a short course and then where do you go from there what's out there like you know i know that there is an mvq in earth building and there's the european plastering earth plastering which hopefully i'm going to be doing but i don't think the mvq is even set up so it's it's kind of difficult to direct people even for me to kind of just go and do that I know there's a lot of admin behind it to get off the ground. and But, yeah, the short courses are great and community stuff is great, but it's like, where do you go if you actually want to do this as a profession? Well, that's hopefully, you know, what we're going to get out of this, this uh, mm. you know, these conversations is finding that, you know, that, that step which is, is taking people further because it's a problem from, from my point of view as well. Like when I'm, I get it all the time at trade shows, people will come up to me and say, you know, can I come and work for you as a plasterer? And I'll say, mm -hmm. well, you know, what have you done? And they say, oh, well, I've done a week's, a week's course with, you know, with Barbara Jones or, or yeah. someone. And, and I'll go, uh, you know, it's great that you've got that, that intro, but there's so much more to learn mm -hmm. beyond a week till you're a sort of, you know, valuable member of a, a team. Uh, and so for you to sort of need, to, you, you know, you need to be being paid, but uh, you still need to be being trained. It's, yeah, it's a difficult thing to sort of balance, especially when you, uh, quite often, you know, we're not being paid a huge amount to do these jobs. So it's, yeah, there is a definite need for that. That bit in the middle is, is missing from, you know, I've 
really tried to find opportunities, uh, whether they're voluntary or like I've done some paid work. Mostly the paid work has been in line plastering and most of it on straw because that's what I kind of started off with. I mean, I'm kind of moving a little bit away from that. That's why I'm doing the Princess Foundation to like also further my knowledge and not just straw and more heritage stuff. So I've got a broader idea and broader skills. But like, if there was an MVQ that someone said, why don't you go and do this? It's, it's happening now. Then I would have probably just signed up and done that like a couple of years ago, even if I'd had to pay for it. Because it kind of, the MVQs do show that you have the skill to do it like in, in lime or in clay, like the, in lime plastering, I haven't had a background in gypsum plastering, so I haven't got those skills to go just walk into a heritage company to do lime. So there's a lot of mismatch, especially coming into a bit later on in life and how you get those skills quickly. It, it's quite difficult, and that's why I have found the opportunity's not there. Well, I don't, I don't, I feel like I'm coming across as really negative, but it ha it is difficult to find the right opportunities, the right training to be able to be paid to do the job, not just keep paying to do yeah. a one week or two week course or something here and something there and still not have the skill or qualification to go and do the job and feel confident doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That gap between paying and and being paid is is a yeah. vast chasm um so other other trainings that you've done well training wise i suppose i did the postgraduate in belgium which was 2018 to 19 and that was in an architecture department at the university of hasselt and it was a new course called building beyond borders and it was building, designing, and then building a women's centre in Morocco. And all the other people were either architects or interior designers, and I was the only one who came from, like, a real hands-on place. So <laughs> that was interesting. And, yeah, I got really frustrated with that course and learned a lot, though, but not what I thought I was going to learn. And I want, I think that's the same with a lot of things. I go to learn about clay or earth building or lime and I usually end up getting really frustrated at myself and learning more about people and how to run things and, <laughs> and politics and dynamics rather than clay and lime. <laughs> we did design in the end and then we spent, each of us spent eight weeks out in Morocco building um, and it was built with earth blocks which I wasn't there when they were doing that but I did some floor tests for the floor with an earth lime mix uh, with the local builders so yeah that was that was kind of good now looking back at it there was lots of politics which I hated and I don't like cross-cultural work like that anymore I, I it's not the cross-cultural stuff it's the <sighs> colonial white person going in to do projects where I don't think it's uh, relevant. Mm -hmm. and was it, so did you say that was a, a whole year, that course? Um, yeah. 
an academic year with part of it being a placement in Morocco uh, and building. So part of it was at university and part of it was on site. And was that again, was that a paid for thing? Yeah, I paid for it. And I went to live in Belgium for six months. Yeah. And you, you said they don't, you don't think they've run it again? They didn't run it the next year because I think they were like having a year to sort some stuff out. And then obviously COVID happened and I don't think it's run this last year, but it might do. And, you know, I think they're, they're doing some good things in some ways. I think that the focus is wrong. And I think ego and architects and universities, I think the the place that they're coming from is not where I'm coming from. I think architects and builders also come from a very different place. So that's what I was saying. Like I've learned more about group dynamics and also who's involved in things. And I think that's really important for any kind of training or voluntary experience and the stakeholders of everything. And, uh, and to be like really clear about who is getting what from this experience. And uh, it doesn't matter if it's the funders and they say, this is what we want. As long as everybody knows the position, then I'm fine with it. But there's so much that is unsaid with a lot of things, with courses and voluntary things. If it's really clear communication about who is getting what out of it and why, then I think things would run much better because people's expectations are then not being dashed or they're being met because it's being clear. And I think that's what I've been really learning from all these things is kind of how do you run something successfully and how do you make it as clear as possible for everybody and open and transparent? I... I suppose the next thing, well, actually before then, I did some voluntary work in Italy. I went to the Strawbell Convention in Italy in 2017 and um, met somebody there and asked if I could just come and volunteer if she had any like training that I could be part of. And um, I've been a couple of times to her house and volunteered on her house because she helped organise the Strawbell Convention and is very knowledgeable and um in clay and lime and <clears throat> straw and that was really good and, and I've got a really good friendship now with her and then last year I actually worked went back to Italy and worked with her so the first couple of times it was I paid to go because I thought I'd met someone that would be really open with their knowledge and experience and invited me into their house so I was happy to give my time to learn that from this person and then she like, subsequently asked me to work with her and do other things. And it's just been really great to have that. And also from a different country and different perspectives sometimes and just like opens that up, the conversation up about building and life in general. When you were, when you were uh, sort of volunteering your time with her, was she did she sort of take on a teaching role yeah and she yeah she was very conscious about like um or giving us different things to do that we weren't bored and also so that we could learn whilst we were there she provided food and accommodation 
but we were working on her house and it was, you know, that was all very clear about what was going on. And so she really wanted to be able to teach us, teach us as well. So that was, that's been good because there I've got a good relationship with her and the possibilities of working with her or if she's got work and pass it on. So that's, that's good networking. Do you feel like that was a more valuable experience than maybe some of the paid courses that you talk about it in a much more uh, sort of positive manner? Yeah, it, it, it was much more valuable because we've, established a friendship it wasn't just her as a tutor and I like contacted her saying you know have you got anything I can come and work on or train with you and so like I come I also contacted Becky before and she said no she hadn't got anything and I contacted Siggy in America and she said no she didn't have anything and you know they weren't nobody was set up to you know I was trying to put my like networking feelers out but nobody seems set up to take on anybody and so you know that was valuable because then we built up a relationship and she's so happy to pass on anything that she knows and that's that's the valuable part like even having done a course like two-day course with Becky I paid for it and I don't know Becky and there's no real relationship, whereas, and because I paid for a course, and maybe this is just me, it's like, it seems that maybe you can't just get in contact with her because, you know, you're, I don't know, there's that kind of, there's a kind of hierarchy. It feels if you've paid quite a lot of money to do a course and like, you know, people keep badgering that person. I don't know, that, that might be just something from me, but it feels like, if you have more, if you establish a friendship or a relationship more outside of a paid thing where the hierarchy isn't as obvious, then that's much more valuable. Like I would have liked to, even now, I, even now I think I would get much more out of actually just working alongside somebody for a good period of time with them possibly doing like having a teaching mind, but not like everything being taught, just working alongside. Because that's what I feel like I'm missing. I've done these courses. I've worked with Angela in Italy a bit. A few other people like Gemma for a week here and a week there. And I've learned so much. But the rest of the work, the paid work I've done, I've been out on my own. Like working with clients on their houses. I'm not working with anybody else that's really experienced. So it's that bit that I'm missing. Of just like really working with someone who's really experienced. And you're just, you can see what's happening. That's how I learn. I think that's how a lot of people learn just by doing. So, I mean, it sounds like you're talking about a, a traditional apprenticeship. Yeah. I, I think that would work well. It would work. It would, would have worked well for me to do that. Like even now I would be prepared to go and work alongside people either doing lime or, or earth building, but being paid as well, not paying for it just learning as much as you can but I think there's a problem with earth building because there's not that there's not a huge amount of work because people are like I think the people I've met who are doing earth building it's a bit sporadic so that's why you can't take on anybody as like a like a trainee because you don't know when you're gonna get work you know the last couple of years I haven't really done much earth building but I've done lime plastering and it's 
you know, I've just had work over the summer, so it's understandable. So that's the other bit where how do you be an apprentice if you haven't got work? You've hit a real issue on the head there. Um, yes. Um, hmm, interesting. Uh, okay. Um, have you done done other things? I've done some labouring on a hempcrete house. That's not exactly Earth, but it's something Okay, else. who was that with? Hempcrete UK. So that was a few years ago. Okay, with Al. Yeah. He wasn't there most of the time, I don't think. That was in Scotland in, I think, 2017. So that was interesting. It was just labouring work, but it was paid and it was, you know, you got... Just doing that kind of work, I don't mind doing labouring work because you can see the whole process happening, even if other people are doing other bits and pieces, like the joinery and uh, the mixing, you can still be part of that process. So that I enjoyed that, although it was hard work and it was really cold. Well, I've worked on people's straw houses. Mm-hmm. Is this sort of voluntary or paid? No, paid. paid. As mostly doing lime rendering, because I think people think that they can do if they're doing clay that they can do it themselves, but lime's a bit more tricky. So yeah, in Todd Modern and and then I've been doing some teaching in Ireland. Last year I ha- I taught a few days the straw bit for this uh, private client, and then this year went back for. I think it was nearly five weeks and yeah was doing the lime rendering actually we were doing lime inside and out but that's also another I think a kind of interesting tricky thing to do is to be teaching clients on the job and teaching volunteers which come and go and I, I really have was thinking about how you put together a pricing structure for that because you're not just doing the job, you're like taking on a teaching responsibility basically all the time and starting it from scratch if a new volunteer comes along. So working with clients like that is actually quite hard work because you're kind of like sometimes there's five or six volunteers who have been just there for one day and and you're... Um, kind of overseeing the site and going, what needs to do next? So you're not actually doing any of the laying on of plaster, which I don't know. They're paying me for my time as a to do the work, but I'm actually a couple of days or whatever, I'm not actually doing any of it. I'm just overseeing people doing it badly. Sometimes. Sometimes it's done well. Sometimes it's not. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's a tricky situation there, isn't it? Yeah. So, and also, like, managing a site like that when you don't know anybody. You know, you might know the clients and you've been working with them for a week or two weeks, but then all these other strangers come along and you're trying to manage them to do the work as best as possible for the clients that you've been hired to put the plaster on the wall. It, that, I haven't quite got my head around how that should work and how you actually price it but also manage it in a successful way i'm not saying it was unsuccessful it's just like i get frustrated at things yeah yeah i agree i i mean i um a number of years ago just decided i i wouldn't take those jobs anymore Mm. uh uh 
especially because you know someone needs to warranty the the you know the finish and if you you you're you can't do that if you're using whoever they've found to come and, and work for free and they don't necessarily care it's a yeah it's a minefield especially as you say like you know you're being paid to be there and quite often just running around managing a site which is a you know it is a job that you should be paid for yeah uh, but it's not what they're necessarily expecting mm. i suppose it's it's all these things as well which like if you were working with somebody who has experience you might not even run into these things because they've already done it they've already gone actually no that's not how i want to work or how it should be run because of x y and z issues but because there's not there's not that so i'm just like going yes i'll do the job and then going oh no there's all this stuff why am i not happy about it you know why am i exhausted and why am i thinking that i'm taking on too much when you say yes to just going and doing some yes rendering. yeah <laughs> most of the jobs or training i've done as i said are actually more about like myself <laughs> and and what i what i really want to do or how i manage it and what i'm prepared to do and like getting more strict and like how you price things and like i don't want to live in my van the whole time so that you can pay for accommodation and things like this and like feel like I'm coming from the bottom going no this isn't acceptable and like trying to work my way up to go like this is what I want and being confident that I've got the skills to ask for that that's the other big thing that you take these jobs on thinking well I'm not trained enough and I haven't got enough confidence haven't got skills so yeah I'll do it for a lower price because then I'll get work and I'll get experience but actually there's no shower or there's no like proper kitchen and yes I've got a van but would anybody else do that like in another job no they wouldn't okay well why should we talk about uh Prince's Foundation what what, what was your main reason for applying what was what was the big like sell one of the reasons was it doesn't cost me anything I there's actually a bursary attached to it <laughs> So, and then to get experience with other tradespeople, but also more experience with like lion and clay professionals working alongside them, because that's the bit I really feel I haven't got and I'm missing out on a lot. And um, also the MVQ, because we can do the MVQ, and that was quite a draw in terms of like not so much to have the piece of paper, but just to be able to know the criteria of what companies are looking for as well and skill and knowledge in the trade especially in the lime side of things because there have been jobs that I've seen in traditional heritage lime work that you need to have either a lot of years experience in skill or you need to have the MBQ so because I've come from it in a different kind of way I felt like okay well that would be an opportunity to get the MBQ and to to prove that I got the skill and knowledge to do the job. And that, yeah, that was a big draw. And the other thing was that because it's heritage skills, I, would, I really wanted to find out more information and skill and about heritage alongside the sustainable building and the natural building, because I think those two areas 
sometimes there's a lack of cohesiveness between them. And the, there's a lot of people on the course this year who are really interested in the sustainability of, of buildings, not just like either heritage or natural buildings. So I, I think that's the way we need to go in like designing and architecture and like restoring our old buildings is using the two things together as in mindset. We need to really like be looking at old traditional methods and materials to design into our new buildings. What is, are there any uh, sort of trainings you'd like to undertake in the future? Have you seen something that you know, you've maybe thought you're going to do one day? Oh, I think I'm a bit tired of training. <laughs> Doing training. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I think I'm tired of doing training courses. I just I, I want to just work with people and learn from them uh, and how they do stuff and different generations and from the like natural building world, sustainability and also from the heritage. I think that's where I want to go now because I just I because I'm a bit older. I just want to like get as much skill as possible now, right now, <laughs> and knowledge. And I don't, yeah, I'm kind of a bit sick of training. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey there, I'm Mick from the Mick and Pat Show. That's right, and I'm Pat. Looking for a podcast that's like catching up with old friends? Well, you're in luck. We're here to bring you weekly doses of lifestyle commentary, discuss culture and politics, and top it off with the occasional beer and film reviews. But it's not just about us. We're a community. Our listeners are our kin, and we let you all have a say in what we discuss. So saddle up and join the conversation at The Mick and Pat Show. You can check out our website or find us wherever you get your podcasts. Along your the sort of course of your training, what have been the surprises? Um, maybe that I actually really enjoyed doing it and wanted to take it on to be like this is what I'm doing in life and how much I enjoyed it I think that was a bit of a surprise and that I'm actually still on that path even though it's been really difficult to, to find the opportunities or to keep going so that's that's yeah that's a surprise because <laughs> I think sometimes I can be quite negative about stuff and see the things that are wrong with things so to be keep going with it is actually a positive thing. Uh, what 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 have been the the big obstacles in your in your way uh, to sort of reaching that goal of, of of doing the the thing? Again, I think it's probably the opposite side of the surprises. Is it is to keep going, to keep reaching out, to keep finding opportunities. That that's been the biggest obstacle, and trying to find those people to to learn with. All right. Uh, well, if you were going to make uh, a, a program uh, for for like the next generation of of builders, and you you know you want it to do that easy easy route, how, what do you think you would? How would you design it? I think I would have a, a more of an apprentice style approach over a, like a good couple of years, not just like six months or like a year it would be over a few years and you're working with even if it's not just one person but you're maybe I mean I haven't done the placement part of the Princess Foundation but 
maybe something like that, but with people over a longer period of time and being quite specific in your jobs. Like if I want to go and do Lyme, then do Lyme work with different people doing different Lyme aspects. And if it's with natural building, maybe over different um, aspects of trades of a natural building to kind of find your niche. Like, you know, like a foundation course for art and design, maybe. You would better, but to then really get into it to do the do the apprenticeship with your trade, which you found, and learn from them. Because I actually, you know, I've realised that it. I would be quite happy mixing plaster for quite a long time. Now I know the value of how to of why you're mixing plaster. I'm quite happy doing that until you get it right. I know like a 16-year-old might get really bored of it, but now I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see why you would mix it for years because I can't get it right in every job. You mix it and it's different every time you mix it. Like, no, I have to get it right. <laughs> so I now I see the value of doing that and being like just a mixer for a period of time. And I don't see any problem with doing that. Even if, you, even if like young people go into it going, oh, this is not what I want to do or I'm bored, you, can, you will really get the value of it after like six months doing that. It would set you up. Like if I'd done that for six months with different people of how to mix different plasters, I would be really happy. So yeah, an apprentice style, working with, working with lots of different people. Just before you hear the conversation with Jamie, I wanted to give a little context. For those that haven't heard of my old company, Heartwin, uh, Jamie came on the first Heartwin build. Uh, the experience was a little rough around the edges, but it worked by taking on a team of volunteers uh, who would build an entire straw bale house from the foundations to the finishes. And this build was very much learned by doing uh, on a volunteer basis. It developed through subsequent Heartwind builds, but this one was definitely in that style. And for this build, we brought in Rebecca Reed uh, to teach the plastering on that build. That should hopefully make sense of what Jamie talks about, about the Heartwind build. Also, I used to have a van called a Suzuki Carry, and I sold that at the end of the build to Jamie. And we go off on a little tangent uh, about our love of that van. Uh, so bear with us. It's really a great van. So I'm interested to know, uh, like, can you describe the learning opportunities you've had? Yeah, so the learning opportunities um, started with Heartwin, um, the straw bale build that I did with you in Wales that, that, that was a real sort of hands-on practical more than an introduction it was a, an entire entire house um, so really got my head around what it was to create a building and work in a team of like-minded people also learning about concepts um, terminology 
that is used in the, in the, the world of uh, building with natural materials. Also, that enabled me to gain some connections, which I sort of pursued and followed up later on. Um, just going and being on site and doing the thing um, is, you know, it w- was ideal for me personally. Um, and that gave me a, a good kind of foundation to then, and, and confidence. It gave me the fact that I was, I, I had built a building and I learned how to use all these tools properly. And I could then go on to another building site and pick these things up and, and do it without having to worry too much about someone having looking over my shoulder to see if I was, you know, I didn't have that anxiety that, you know, someone might see me using holding the saw wrong or something like that. So it gave me huge confidence. I could see it. I, I, I could ask questions and uh, have guidance and kind of do my own thing a bit and then get a bit more guidance. So I wasn't afraid to make mistakes because I wasn't getting paid. Um, so that was that, that's a good that was a good thing, but yeah, at the same time, it got cold and there was time pressures and you weren't getting paid. Um, so you kind of you know you're still paying rent for the place you're living at, so you had to have saved a bit of money to do that. So you sort of need to be in a privileged position to be able to do that sort of thing, I guess. Definitely, yeah. So it would have been better if you'd have been paid. Oh yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> oh, it seems like a yeah, silly question. It but, would have uh, been. I mean, you did get some food, or uh, but then there was also sort of a travel cost to and from. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to keep your costs down, so you could afford your bills at home, you kind of had to stay over some weekends as well. So you kind of missed out on, you know, I miss seeing. My girlfriend and being at home. So yeah. these are the drawbacks. And that is actually something that's, that is, that has become part of my life, actually. To gain valuable experiences, you need to be prepared to travel. The most valuable experiences have come from finding people that I get on with, um, and that I want to learn from and traveling and staying and hanging out with them and learning from from those people and it's going to be rare that they're going to be in a convenient distance from your home so i guess one of the one of the most important things for me by after is quite quickly after after the heartwind build it uh, it was a little while before i decided to properly follow my nose into natural building completely. Um, It was not more than a year, but within that year, I realized that to do this, I would need a van because I would need to travel to, and I would need to sleep in the van because I wouldn't be able to afford to pay for accommodation because I would be volunteering a fair bit. That that would be my advice to somebody that wants to go on a journey like this is to get a van. <laughs> um, get a van that's just long enough for you to sleep in. Like a Suzuki Carry. Like a Suzuki Carry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh, it's such such a beautiful van. I miss her so much. Um, but she is in good hands. There is no other vehicle that I'd recommend more <laughs> to anybody um, going on this path. I think we. I think that should be part of part of the journey. Yeah. Everyone should own a Suzuki Carry and you know understand the simple things in life. <laughs> You know, that was the beauty of it. Um, but, you know, anytime she went wrong, you'd be like, right, okay. Well, I can actually, you know, I can see all of the engine because it's right under the seat. I've just got to flip <laughs> the seat up. Um, yeah. So it's mechanics course as well as learning uh, valuable yeah, natural building skills. Exactly, exactly. I managed to change the clutch. I know you um, did. Just I'm by very buying impressed. That buying the Haynes manual and going right okay I was like I can do this that's another another thing which comes from doing a practical internship is the, the, the boost of confidence that oh I can do a thing once I'd once I'd finished the the heartwind thing and I decided to go into plastering I'd I'd done some work with Rebecca Reed and uh completely fell in love with plastering and I still had little money and I noticed that the job centre were offering kind of practical courses. And I was like, well, I'll do a plastering course because, you know, that's, that's what I'm into now. Yeah. So I, I got myself onto, uh, this plastering course kind of sort of funded, I guess, by the job centre. So um, you weren't paying to be on the course? I wasn't paying to be on the course, okay. no. And you weren't being paid? I wasn't being paid okay. even, no. I was receiving universal credit at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that was the only way I could get on the course, really. Right, okay, got you. And so, yeah, it was uh, uh, three days a week, um, and you were supposed to do the course for 20 weeks. Okay. And you'd get the equivalent of an NVQ2, and anyway, so there are there were so many modules. I think there were twelve modules, and I completed all but one of the modules within four weeks. Right, um, because you were because, working so hard. Um, but because I'd had such good training, <laughs> um, for, to be honest, um, yeah. Um, credit to Rebecca. Um, so it was aimed at sort of never ever plastering, is that right? Yes. Yeah, so, so yeah, this, uh, this this plastering course was aimed at someone who had never plastered, and I had a fair bit of experience with clay. I thought, you know, I was still considering myself. Um, I had to have little to no experience, but then when you know they left me to, to my own devices and said, "Can you do that, please?" And actually, the um, the material we were using to practice with was clay, um, right. because you could just scrape it back off the wall and chuck it in 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 the pile outside for the next student. Um, so, so That's they were pretty impressed with uh, <laughs> what I could do with it. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, that that led me to to sign off all the modules very quickly. What, what did? Um... What did sort of an average day, so you did three days a week, what would it be? Like come in, do some, some like classroom work or was it like, did you have a practice wall or? Mon- Monday mornings um, through to the afternoon 
was classroom um, where everyone would kind of sit and the teacher would, well, no one really wanted to be in that classroom. Um, so a lot of people would be late and other people would just um, go off for a coffee. It wasn't the, the, the type of, I mean, including me, um, nobody in that class really suited being in a classroom. What, what sort of things were being taught in the classroom? It was essentially all the things that were to gain the CSCS. It was uh, a lot of theory. So you had these workbooks to go through and these tick boxes and everyone would understand that these were tick boxes. They would find the relevant information to go in the box and that box would then be ticked off. And that was that. You got that. Uh, you'd hand your folder in and the teacher would, the tutor would sign that bit of the module off. So, so what was, there was like a, a body of text and then you sort of yeah. found, found the answer within yeah, the body yeah. of text. You didn't read the text. You just <laughs> scanned through to find what was the appropriate answer. You right. put that in the box. And that was done because that is what you generally do on those courses. Mm-hmm. Um, because that you know, it doesn't it doesn't harbour it, it it doesn't encourage an interest, right? It doesn't in sort of you know you're not choosing your path of of learning. You know what you've got to do to achieve it, but it's not like you're having a discussion with with someone about a topic that you're interested in you are you are doing this today today you are learning about screeds and you are learning you know what this terminology is what tools you need what kind of general mixes is what the do's and don'ts are um and you're learning these in an order um so you can write them all in boxes you can fill out the answers so you can get that tipped off and then it's like you know then classroom client time is over and you're into the the workshop which is you know you're given a practice wall and then (laughs) so there's a lot of students um of all different ages and the young ones see that as kind of like let's doss around um whereas the adults are like this is this is my time and i want to use it wisely it tended to be that way yeah there, 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 there was a big divide there and do you so i'm getting from your uh from the way you've described it that that you wouldn't sort of suggest that as a, a good way of learning um i uh, even if the topic it, was better you know if that was clay you were learning about and finding that in the text yeah um, I mean, it it doesn't it doesn't suit my learning style. I mean, there is there is value in it in that if I'd have done kind of some something like uh, so so the, basically what the the Hartwin build did was it gave me uh, a foundation and a. Uh, I was able to speak to people that knew stuff that I, um, I was interested in, in in a setting um, that was was practical and 
was was going to be it, 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 it was a setting that reflected what the work is going to be like um whereas in this college it's 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 very far removed from that anything you do doesn't really matter in a way it's do, do, so For it's no almost like what's the of, point of doing yeah job. what's the point it's again you know i can like i got all the, all, the, all the modules ticked off within four weeks and it was supposed to take 20 yeah i mean i wasn't really you know i was rushing through it there were if you know there's there, i'm sure there's more i could have learned but it didn't kind of that atmosphere didn't didn't encourage didn't encourage it mm-hmm. and so were, was there any actual part of that course that was on like a real build no so. no none of it none of it was okay um, and did you did you get any jobs out of that because that was a game of it wasn't it i i didn't get any no i didn't get any so so it, i didn't actually finish the course despite having all the modules signed off because i or all but one of the modules I, I i sort of like paused it because there was some interesting work going on down south that was uh, involved clay plastering and i so i i binned the course it was sort of like i was doing it for something to do to keep my to, to try and gain some skill um or keep my skills up um do you feel like it did that, do that um it, it enabled me to play with my trowel <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah um so so yeah in a way it did and yeah i, I learned i learned what you would do on with gypsum plaster right um and i was i did have a genuine interest um so you know i did learn i did learn some things um but i quickly binned it when when an opportunity came up to be on on a site um playing with clay so right once once the thing that ignited your passion was there you dropped it like a yeah i i so this 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 college course in manchester i i binned it to then sleep in my van monday to friday near chesham <laughs> <laughs> lovely chesham um, and i did that for a number of months okay because i found it much more valuable okay so this what you moved on to there uh clay plastering near chesham are we now talking have you progressed into paid work there or are you still yes yeah it, it was paid work i was being paid um as a a skilled laborer i was okay. on site as a skilled laborer working as hard as i could being around knowledgeable people mm-hmm. trying to make myself useful and being grateful that they were taking time out of their day to impart some knowledge to me okay so so it wasn't sort of set up as a, a learning thing but there were people who were you know taking you under their wing so to speak yeah yeah i was uh i was lucky enough to um have have some some people uh take me under their wing yeah great that's a good way um, to put it <laughs> how did you get on with that that style of learning yeah so I mean, 
I, I was fully aware that, that uh, so I was working with both uh, Will Stanix and Rebecca Reed, um, among um, other people as well, and but ma- mainly Will and Rebecca. And I was fully aware that to for them to teach me something, they would be taking time out of their day. So they're, they're paid to be there for the day. And they can get on with what they're doing fine, but they want other people to to know stuff because they they love what they're doing and they see the importance of see the value of education. So I was lucky enough to to be on the receiving end of that education, um, and the whole the, the whole while I was aware that it would be more efficient the, the, the job would be d- done quicker without me there right. learning yeah uh, if i was just laboring um and not learning the whole job would be much quicker but because um they were taking time out of their day to teach me i was yeah i was learning loads and whilst being aware of that i was sort of working extra hard in between the learning experiences and trying to remind myself to to slow down when I am doing the learning bit, because mm-hmm. um, the natural thing in my brain would be to do it as quickly as possible, um, because I need to prove myself. And uh, actually, that doesn't harbour learning either. So, yeah, um, I guess that that kind of mindset can be a disadvantage to mm-hmm. that learning atmosphere. Were there, were there any other sort of negatives to that? Well, luckily, I, w- I was just going to say, luckily, um, I, um, Rebecca and Will would encourage me to slow down. and um, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. We're, we're, we're here to learn. So that was really nice, particularly... <laughs> I don't know if you can answer this, but who essentially who was picking up the tab for your learning? Because if you were being paid, was it coming out of Rebecca and Will or was it coming out of the client? So a bit of both. I'm fully aware that Rebecca's day would be much shorter and Mm -hmm. she would have achieved what she needed to achieve. She'd she'd have gone home hours earlier. Um, had she not taken the time to carefully explain things to me, right. uh, and and you know, and she, I, I'm sure she, I, I think I know that she wasn't um, charging any more to the client the extra time she was there. So that yeah. was coming out of her pocket. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Nice. So I only asked that. I'm, I'm trying in my, you know, my sort of quest to find the best way how we can yeah. be better at training people. It's, I sort of want to look at how, what the, the funding is because it's a big thing. Cause you've, you know, you said earlier, like not earning money to travel all around the country to these opportunities is, you know, doesn't really work or it's very hard yeah. um, and sort of finding the money, finding the right people who are willing to train you. I mean, yeah, you, you've been incredibly lucky to, to get uh-huh, Will and, yeah. and Rebecca. Sorry, that sounds like I'm I'm lecturing you. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I that, lucky they, you've been, boy. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. I that's the sentiment that I uh, wholly agree with. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah so we need more of the Rebecca and Wills to aid more. Yeah, of we the, need more we, of the Jamies. We just we just need more Rebecca and Wills. I think you should give all the money to them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. It's, it's so funnily enough. I did a job with Will in Greenwich, and just hearing his thought process was so valuable to my learning. I thought it was all sort of planned out. It was like it was so perfect. So there would be some issue would come up, and he'd go, "Oh, what should we? I wonder what we should do here." And I'd be, you know, we'd have a discussion about it. And I, I honestly thought, I was like, is this, is this planned? Because like, it couldn't be a better learning experience. For <laughs> um, literally just a problem arising, hearing Will's thoughts on it, um, having a discussion about it together, arriving to a conclusion, an answer together, or, you know, to try and trying something, it failing, and then trying something else. There is, there was, and uh, doing that with, whilst hearing the inner workings of Will's brain mm-hmm. was was just perfect, and that sort of th- that those thought processes, I am then able to carry forward into into my work, into my practice, and my day. Um, so I've sort of like got a um, little Will in my head going. <laughs> oh, I wonder. <laughs> yeah, and, and that that really helps with that, that. That suits my learning style as opposed to being in a in a classroom uh, away from sight. So I guess that sort of, I mean, it's somewhere between sort of guided and self guided, isn't it? I guess it's more self guided learning, as in yeah, so you're sort of given a given a task and then some little sort of pointers coming over your shoulder yeah 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 um and because the person you're working with knows you and knows what stage you're at with each different type of task they're able to you know give you give you take longer to give you instruction mm-hmm. or a little less longer or even you know if it's if it's something that i've done a few times then i may be asked to explain that to someone else that hasn't which then cements it even more that that's that's the best way for me to that's that that's a really really good way for me to learn when we were doing that earth floor and uh oh i've forgotten her name uh was it megan megan yeah yeah hearing you describe to her what we were up to was just a little joy in my world (laughs) and i like oh he's learned so much he's taken it all in oh yeah it i mean it just gave me a huge amount of confidence in in just letting you crack on with like a huge meterage of flooring that day Uh, Yeah. (laughs) yeah quite a lot it seems like quite a lot of your learning opportunities have come from just a couple of people um, yeah is that that fair yeah. yeah that is fair to say so it's sort of like you've you're almost sort of apprenticed with them and yeah yeah and you and feel so, like you're you've been given more responsibility and, and sort of yeah as... definitely yeah i mean you know i'm 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 going to site on my own some days and 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 getting on with it which is good 
some days we'll all come at the beginning of the day and say, oh, this needs to be done, that needs to be done. And I'm like, okay, and I can ask questions and then just get on with it. And then if I've got any worries, I'll just, he's always on the end of the phone. Mm-hmm. And then when, you know, some days, some other days when I think Will probably knows that it's going to be something challenging, which I'll just stare at and I'm an hour out and scratch my head. <laughs> um, he'll probably make sure he's there to, uh, to kind of guide me through it. I'm pretty oh, sure he's all right, that Will, isn't he? He's all right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a giggle to be around. If you were to do it all again, how would you do it differently? I wouldn't. <laughs> I, de- I definitely wouldn't. I, I mean, you know, the fact that the fact that I thought that uh, a job I was on was a planned learning experience <laughs> for me just um, it says what a good learning experience it, yeah. it, it has been. I don't know. I something I neglected to mention about learning opportunities earlier. So with your sort of unique position, having, you know, your, it seems very much to me like you're on your way out of the sort of training phase and into the being a, a fully fledged plasterer. Um, but if you could uh, design a, a training program based on sort of your knowledge, how, mm-hmm. how do you think it would look? A combination of, sort of finding out about the materials and what it is what it is they enjoy about it then finding finding someone that they get on with that is is willing to show them the ropes mm-hmm. probably hanging out with Rebecca and Will <laughs> <laughs> that's um that is yeah it's the gene yeah nice yeah, um, I mean, there there is value in doing a plastering course if you can get it for free, but it's not essential, I don't think. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I I think ideally an apprenticeship. Um, I, th- I I I think doing some kind of some kind of apprenticeship or you know having modules where you spend some time with someone that's doing cob having a module where you go and spend some time doing some play plastering with someone having a module going to you know you know do some do some um line pointing or So a huge thank you to Mickey and Jamie for their honest words and their experiences. I feel so much of Mickey's frustrations being stuck in that no man's land between paid courses and getting paid as your job. Uh, Her description of working in Ireland, training volunteers and sort of feeling the horrible stresses of being stuck in the middle of that job. Um, Yeah, I feel bad that she didn't have someone to turn to who could you know, advise her and you know, give advice when she was going into that situation. Because um, the situation is that she should have been paid as a trainer and paid as someone who's running a building site, not just 
paid as a, a skilled worker. And it it reminded me very much of a situation I ended up in where I received a shouting at from the client because I wasn't laying an earth floor uh, when my role had morphed into becoming site manager and I was needed to keep the mix coming to volunteers without which nobody would have been laying floor. And it's it's a classic natural building situation that just wouldn't exist in other trades. But I digress. So what do I hear as the common threads in this? Firstly, it's of the gap between paid courses and being paid. Once you finish doing the short courses and you know you're excited and interested and you've got that building bug, you've got really the choice of doing volunteering or, as Kit and Mickey did, labouring. And each is with its pros and cons. The volunteering is fraught with varied quality and... You know, sometimes questionable working practices. Uh, Jamie told me a story of leaving after one day as the living conditions weren't fit for human occupancy, his words. And labouring means that you're getting paid, but it's going to take longer to get doing the skilled work and to get the experiences. I thought it was really interesting that the ingenuity that Anna took to to do her volunteering as a cheap way of living while she was studying. Um, but I fully realise that's not open to all. It's not fully accessible. So one of the key themes for me was connections and how important meeting the right people is. Jamie really lucked out on his first build, meeting Rebecca Reed and in turn Will Stanix, who have really shaped his learning. Anna's meeting of the Steens at Clayfest and then heading out to volunteer with them. Massive. Mickey's connection in Italy that led to work and experience. And Kit's connections from Cat that got him his labouring. And I think Anna's experience from the Prince's Foundation is key. Once you can get yourself working alongside people who work in Earth, they can see that you work hard and that you want to learn and that you're dedicated. And you only need a few connections like this and you'll be set for work, just like Anna is. And so Kit and Anna have both completed the Prince's Foundation. Mickey is partway through it now, going to head on to placements soon. And Jamie, he applied last year and will apply again next year. It's a tough course to get onto. Far as I know, there's only one place for an alternative builder per year. It's mostly timber framers, stonemasons and the like. So the Prince's Foundation is currently one of the only stepping stones. The SPAB, the Society for Protection of Ancient Buildings, also have a similar programme. But that's even harder to get onto. There's only four places for that. And they are hard fought. So why is it so good? To get paid to travel around the country working with craftspeople, you get the opportunity to find one that you gel with. And that's often all it can take. And from the craftsperson's perspective, they know what they're getting. They're getting someone passionate and dedicated about their craft. But who isn't yet fully formed? And they also know that It's not going to cost them more than their time, which is always the danger when taking on an unknown uh, labourer or trainee. So I think from an outsider's perspective, it seems like Earthbuilding UK and Ireland are putting good effort towards creating an MVQ in Earthbuilding. But to me, this seems a little lost without a way for the training to be accessible. What I'd like to see is Earthbuilding UK and Ireland create a programme where, like the placement part of the Prince's Foundation, 
one or two or more, trainees could travel to different craftspeople and work on real-life Earth projects. And it would need someone like Earthbuilding UK and Ireland to sit like a spider in the centre of the web of Earth Builders. Because us Earth Builders, we don't always have work, and that stops us taking on a full-time trainee. But as a collective, I'm sure there's always Earth work going on. I would certainly take someone for an Earth floor job when they come up. And then they could move to Will, or Becky, or Rebecca, or any of the network of UK and Ireland Earth Builders. And of course, this would have to be paid. I think if Earthbuilding UK and Ireland could raise, I don't know, 25 grand, you could pay the trainee for a whole year and pay an office position to coordinate where the trainee is going to be the, the spider, if you will. And you know what? At that point, combine this with the MVQ level three. This is the perfect co-partner. So I think at the end of that program, you'd have experienced, connected and educated trainee ready to go out and do good work. So I'm very aware that I know nothing about grant funding, but I do know you'd be hitting education, jobs, environmental, heritage and craft. And failing that, you could head down the Princess Foundation route, which is to ask wealthy folk, you know, maybe the folk who just bought a listed cob building, send out a message to every one of those asking them to donate. Who knows? The details aren't for me to decide. But I think the gap is clear. And I think the work that the Princess Foundation are doing is fantastic. But we need more of it. Okay, that's far too much talking for me. Come and join me at the Q&A at Clayfest on Saturday 28th of November. Uh, Give me your thoughts and opinion. And a quick reminder that unedited versions of these chats are going to be up on the patreon as soon as i get a chance probably today or tomorrow Um, and that'll give you an extra actual couple of hours of insight from the trainees Uh, that is patreon.com forward slash building sustainability okay all the best until next time bye get ahead of postage rate increases this year with stamps.com it's like your own personal post office sign up with promo code program for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts that's stamps.com code program